Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and restaurateurs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of the World of Mouth, a platform that connects over 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants, from the best place to grab a taco or a hot dog, to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting chef Petter Nilsson in restaurant Petri in Stockholm, Sweden. As a chef in his 50s, he's had a career spanning over more than 35 years in Sweden and France. Some 15 years ago, he was part of a small group of the world's most creative chefs, among them Massimo Bottura, René Redzepi and Inaki Aitzpitarte. We will hear about Peter Nilsson's time among the very best and hear his personal view about being a chef. At the end of the podcast, he will reveal his favorite restaurant recommendations in Stockholm, Paris and the rest of the world. You'll also find these places in the World of Mouth app. Peter Nilsson, uh, who is Peter Nilsson? Oh, he's a uh, he's he's basically a, a cook that has been uh, being in in front of the stove for about thirty five years now, uh, or maybe it's longer. I, I don't know. I started out in southern Sweden when I was about fifteen years old. Uh, and now I'm turning 53 this year, so so it's uh, it's been it's been a long time. I've seen many I've seen many different stoves, uh, and uh, I have had since I was about 20 something, uh, early 20s, had a very big interest in 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 in. What you nowadays would call more like a sustainable creative cooking, uh, and I've tried to work in places and 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 also have had places and have places that are that are focused on that that creative sustainable part. Yeah, and currently yeah. you are uh, you live in Stockholm and you have a restaurant called uh, Petri, there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Started in uh, 2020 in September. Uh, this is a small restaurant, about 20 seats, uh, and uh, we are open for dinner. We also do Friday lunches, but uh, apart from that, we're open on Wednesday through Saturday, uh, mainly serving one big menu, uh, about 12 servings, and. Uh, Apart from that, you can also eat a little smaller version of that. Uh, we try to focus on on what we do the best. I'll have to say I'm a, I'm a bit biased uh, because uh, Petri ha- happens to be one of my favorite restaurants in the Nordics. Uh, but could yeah, you explain for you. someone who has <laughs> someone who hasn't been there uh, what kind of uh, what kind of food do you serve? I. Yeah, we we take good pride in doing everything that we serve uh, ourselves, um, and uh, we also work very closely with our producers uh, in the nearby area, uh, which some parts of the year makes it a little bit difficult because we don't have very many new things coming in from from November to April. Um, 
but we still still manage and take great pride in that. Uh, our it's a little cut to the bone. Uh, our gastronomy uh, saying that we we don't exceed in in very many different ingredients or very many different uh, methods in each plate uh, that we serve, but we try to make it as a fulfilling and uh, and. And a nice creative meal with a, a, a huge amount of different methods in doing things, and we try to also also focus on some methods that we have been using uh, for a long time. Uh, we have a method of cooking birds that we that we now applied on 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 every bird that comes into the house, uh, and so on. So we try to to have a straight line in our in our cooking and the way that we do it in our own way um, i think we are very focused on what's happening in in the pots and in the pans more than the way that we present things uh i think that cooking is about what happens when you cook things more than, uh, of course, we try to have a, make it look nice and, and look overwhelming and, 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 and have like, but the, the, the main focus is like the, the, the freshness of the, the presentation and the, and the, and the trueness of it as well. Uh, mm. And then we also think that all beverage served with the food should serve as a as a as an extra layer to what we do uh so so sometimes it doesn't it doesn't we try it to make it as 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 a being as a, like a a complex and yet very soothing uh experience with food and drink together the pairing is very important to us and also like and it can be paired throughout only taste based but also um in a more uh, storytelling way i mean it could be linked throughout places and memories uh i i'm just searching for the right word here <laughs> so uh but it's a it, I think it's a narrative that we that we're looking for, the narrative in the plate, also why we do something not only based upon creativity and and season, but also about stories about what this does mean to us making this. And quite often it's based about memories that I have or somebody else's ha has about a certain ingredient, uh, a certain place and time where you had it before or, or something like that. And just to make sure that you're really connected to what you do. You've, as you've said, you've had a, a fairly long career in, in, in many different restaurants. Uh, we'll get back to that one, but if we go way back to your yeah your your childhood and how it all started, you said you uh, you grew up in in Skåne in southern uh, Sweden. Uh, 
yeah. um, and how did you get into the the cooking thing uh, I think I was uh, I, I was hesitating between doing language studies and uh, and but I didn't feel really after I quit like the 10th grade uh, and you have to make a choice I, I didn't want to make a choice at that point so I thought that maybe I, I could do a I could do restaurant school for for a couple of years and I can always go back to doing something else after that uh, then I sort of got really into it I thought it was an you know, I was about 15, 16 years old. It was easy. You made some money and you had a freedom that the other ones at your age didn't have. Uh, I think that was an interesting part of it at that time. And then I sort of got into this. I felt more at home working than being at school. Uh, I liked to be amongst elderly people. One of the first restaurants I worked and uh, everyone was at the age of my great-grandparents. The owner was, she was 80 years old. One waitress, she was 82. Uh, the, the woman that were in charge of the, of the cold section, uh, she was 71. Uh, and they've been doing the same thing for about 30 years, not changing the menu, not really changing the prices of it either. Uh, I don't know really why, and it was very basic, like restaurant cooking for that time. But you know the amount of stories that you heard from older people it was very, it was very, it was very funny. And you know when you're 16 old years old and you and you get to cut into meat and and you're given a responsibility, you, you sort of grow with a with the experience and it was really and and I felt like I, I felt embraced in that community and uh, they saw me as their little grandchild uh, and it was really it was it was uh, chaotic but funny for me uh, after that I started looking into more like more high-end restaurants in the, in that part. I mean, going out in the countryside, working in 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 places that were influenced by nouvelle cuisine in France in the early eighties, uh, and I had a stint at that, and it was kind of the way that brought me into creative cooking and saw a wider horizon. We, when I was working in southern, in a place there called the Rutbochere, it was out in the countryside. We always, twice a year, we traveled to France, uh, eating in fancy restaurants and having a lot of nice ingredients and so on. So it kind of, it, it kind of built up quite fast. And also the fact that being young and being embraced was also a, a, a big thing. Uh, it was no, it was not, never, I, I never sensed it as just being work where you go to work and then you get paid at the end of the month. It was more of a, a lifestyle that I got into and it was, it was something else than what I was used to. And I, 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 I really must say that I, I adored it in so many ways. Yes, uh, there's one uh, one restaurant in, in, in southern Sweden which uh, 
also was very formative for you and uh, so formative that you've actually named your current restaurant after that restaurant. Could you tell me about that? Yeah. Yeah, it was Petri Pumpa uh, in Lund. Uh, it opened also in the in the latter part of the 80s. Uh, and I started working there in 1993 or something. Uh, it was run by uh, Thomas Dreying, uh, a guy that had been working a lot with a Danish guy called Erwin Lauterbach, who had a restaurant in Malmo in the in late 70s, and then went on to open in, in Copenhagen. And he was very much into... Uh, fish and vegetable, mainly vegetable cooking. Uh, he was also greatly influenced by French cooking at that time, but had his own particular style and also very great knowledge about qualities of meat and the quality of vegetables and fish and, and trying to source himself with the organic produce already at that time and keeping in pace with, with seasons. And, uh, the Petri Pumper restaurant was taking that even, I would say, a step further into that. Uh, really cooking exquisite food from from the local ingredients. It's, it was very formative and also formative in the way that they did never do anything that was very classical, even though one would see it as classic cooking nowadays due to methods and so on but it was it was a complete different world uh it was people stayed working there for a very long time there was a guy he was there from almost from the beginning to the end um and 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 this is and it meant so much being in this place being in that environment it also related much to the to art galleries and the art scene in in the area, so it was kind of a very cultural place in 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 many ways, and and that was also helping widening the perspective of of a restaurant and the meaning of a restaurant and its place in society and 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 what you could do as a team and so on. It was really it was very formative in in many ways. After that, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've been following you for for quite a while, for maybe 15 years or yep. so. I think we met first time then. Uh, and 12, 15 years ago, um, you were part of of the, yeah, should we say the, the 12, 15 creative chefs in, in, in the world. It was a small group that maybe, yeah, all, all, the whole of it dissolved at some point. But uh, there were some some attempts and some symposiums and meetings where where you were part of that very very elite should could we say um, which included Massimo Bottura, Rene Redzepi, Dave Chang, yeah, well all, all the all the big 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 stars uh, as as we know them. Um, how did you get into these uh, groups? And uh, could you tell me? After Southern Sweden, you another big chapter in your life started somewhere else. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I moved to, I, I after Petra Pumpa, I started a restaurant in Malmo with a record company, uh, and it was more like a fun place, and uh, 
once I once I quit there, I was thinking about okay, I've done, I have moved as far south as I can in Sweden. I'm not eager to go north. Uh, my journey is southbound, and so I started working. I had had some stints in Copenhagen before, but I started working in Copenhagen. Uh, I didn't really fancy it, uh, so and I got this offer of uh, of having a head chef position in Paris in a restaurant called Le Fumoir, which was kind of a new style brasserie, big restaurant that had some Swedish Danish connections. So I started working there. Uh, I spent about nine months there and it was totally crazy. Uh, I was working more than I've ever done in my life before. Uh, so it wasn't really a sustainable way of living. Uh, and I got back to, to moved back to Sweden and then started working in Copenhagen again. I stayed there for a couple of years. Uh, which, and then sorry, I- which, which place did you work in Copenhagen? I had a, I started, when I came back from Paris, I started working at a place called Kirk, which was a, with a Danish guy called Nicolas uh, Kirk, uh, who is, I think he's more like a, uh, a food rasta man now, <laughs> nowadays, but he's a very funny guy. Uh, and, and we worked together uh, at his restaurant, and then I started being... I started as a head chef at another restaurant owned by the same group called Conrad. I was there for a couple of years. At the end, I was more of a executive chef for all those restaurants they had. Uh, I didn't really, it became, at the end it became a little dull. It was too much, too much business, not enough, uh, not enough food uh, contemplation. Uh, so I, I decided to, to go uh, back to France. I had a plan of having three years in France and then three years in Italy, uh, just to pick up the languages in a proper way and then uh, go back to Sweden, uh, go to university and study those languages and becoming more of a Product, what do you say? Um, you, as a translating, being a mm. translator for for uh, books. Uh, so I moved to France and I moved to Bordeaux. Uh, a mutual friend to the ones that I was working with in Paris before had just taken over a Saint James Hotel outside Bordeaux, uh, and uh, and I got a position in the kitchen there. I stayed there for a year, which is great to see like the the classic way of building up a kitchen with 20 people in it in, 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 in France. And you have all the classical sections in the kitchen doing their own stuff and not minding about the others. And, and it was, a, it was a good, it was very interesting. It was a good time. Uh, I didn't really feel at home in that. I had had so much both like experience and also having controlled things before myself. So it was kind of hard just stepping back and cooking fish. Uh, so I got an offer to start a restaurant in Southern France, in Uses, 
uh, and that was very that was kind of a dream that I've had for for some years since I was sixteen. I was dreaming of living in southern France at some stage, so I thought it's like okay, I can. I really want to do this, and I started this restaurant uh, called Les Trois Salons, you says, uh, together with a uh, New Zealand couple and a, and a French guy, uh, and after a while, it was very, it was very good at that stage because there was a lot of influential restaurant and journalist people traveling to El Bulli in just outside Barcelona and they were always driving from like Milan and Torino and, and Tuscany and, and it was a good stay. Uses was a good stay on the, on the, on the way. So I got this article in a, in, in a, written by an Italian journalist called Andrea Petrini who came there uh, and found the restaurant uh, and really and i've met him once before when i was in bordeaux uh and and he really liked what i was doing uh and so he spread the word in in via an article in an italian paper called gambaro rosso uh and then all the italian food journalists and a lot of cooks like fulvio perangelini and so on they they came to the restaurant on their way to albuli so I got a kind of a good reputation, reputation amongst them, and that started the whole thing. And then uh, uh, Fulvio Pierangelini was invited to go to uh, San Sebastian uh, for a food conference, uh, and he didn't really fancy it in the way that it was built up. Uh, so he wanted to invite more cooks. So he invited me uh, and he invited Massimo Butura and, uh, and it was also Andoni from Mugaritz and uh, Thierry Marx from Cordian Bache at the time uh, to cook with him uh, on the stage uh, interpreting one of his famous recipes which was a, 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 a scallop filled with mortadella uh, sausage uh, served with fennel and apples, uh, and there was also some gold. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, and and we all did versions of that, and that's sort of started. It was like the starting point of Jelina's thing, and also when we did the. So we did that next time. We did that was in uh, in Le Havre for an omnivore festival. Omnivore was just started as being uh, sort of a, a sort of a new restaurant guide for for France and 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 countries close to France, talking about young creative kitchen. Uh, and they had a festival, uh, and then we did this Jelina thing at that festival. And on that festivals also, the, the team got bigger. Uh, so it was also uh, René Redzepi came in and Inaki from Chateaubriand came in and, and uh, some other Italian guys, Enrico Crepa came in and uh, also David Scabin. Uh, and there were others as well coming. And we 
it sort of grew to a group around 15 to 18 people. And then uh, after that, uh, Rene started uh, together with an Italian guy. They started Cook It Raw uh, in Copenhagen for the for the climate conference in Copenhagen. I think this was must have been in 2009 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that started like, a, a, it was basically the, that group got a little wider, uh, and it, but it was sort of the same people involved in it, both in, both in Cook It Raw and in, in the Gelinas. And it was sort of uh, based upon different ideas, but it was kind of the same thing. Andrea Petrini was into both of them. Uh, so we had that thing, both those things uh, going for a couple of years. Uh, then some got too big, some fell apart and some, you know, things have a, things have a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. There was also one uh, restaurant. Did you mention uh, the one you had in Paris? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I after Rousses, I, I I stayed in Rousses for about three and a half years, and then I, after that I moved to to Paris. Uh, my it was familiar reasons. I I, I moved there, uh, and I and I was asked for the ones that I had been working for in in Paris before uh, to take over a restaurant that they had opened that didn't work called La Gazzetta, which at the time was like a restaurant that embraced Mediterranean culture, all of Mediterranean. Uh, and they asked me to, 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 if I wanted to take over that. And quite soon I was just more adapting to the way that we did things when I was in, in Uses, uh, doing the same type of menu, about five, six courses at a fair price. Uh, and there was something that really got the ball rolling in, in Paris. Uh, it was like a couple of months after I started uh, La Gazzetta, uh, Chateaubriand opened and did about the same thing. Uh, and we were very closely related at that time. We, we spent much time together discussing with me and Inaki. Uh, about life in general and things. So we kind of coexisted there for, for, a, for a great while. His restaurant was more festive than, than mine. Mine was in a little different area for that. Uh, and he had, I would say he had enormous success uh, and, and I was more stubborn in a way. Um, but it was, it, it was a great time and, and and it was, I think it was influential for many restaurants that opened in, in Paris after that. Uh, and also, I think being a part of some kind of startup in, in doing things, giving good ingredients at a fair price and catering for a, for a wider audience. Uh, it, it was taking things out of palaces and, and really expensive restaurants and doing it in another way, cutting it more to the bone of what was essential. Uh, in hindsight, one could say that this was kind of a normal way of eating in France way back. 
Mm. I mean, it was like it was a normal normal meal. Yeah. Five courses, cheese and like three four courses, cheese and dessert would would be a would be a a good meal. Uh, this was uh, I don't know if you uh, dislike the the word nowadays, but the bistronomy uh, thing, which many people use for the journalists use for for this sort of movement in the yeah. cre- cre- creative uh, new bistros and brasseries. Yeah, that was uh, yeah yeah yeah. This was I I I would say that that the, like the bistronomy was started like 10 years earlier with places uh, uh, when uh, I can't, uh, it was a guy called Yves Camdebord uh, who came out of Hotel Crillon and then started a bistro that was really hammering it out. And it was, he was, his style was more rustic, but there was a, there was a couple of guys that came from, came from the, like the big restaurants, um, uh, that had been working in very strict hierarchic structures uh, that applied those techniques and those ingredients, but did it in a more bistro way. And we're taking it back to a more bistro type of cooking. Um, I say we came a little bit later and we also did not especially come from the same environment as they did. Uh, we were more, we hadn't been trained in the same way, one would say. So there was, there was, you were more street smart, maybe. (laughs) Maybe more street smart, more traveled as well, I guess. Uh, I would say that we had, um, if talking to, like, speaking about Inaki at Chateaubriand and, and, and me, we had seen other cultures. We had other angles of perspective than maybe what the ones that had came out of the caves underneath uh, big hotels have had. So, so I, I think that we had a we had a, a, a fresh view of things in maybe in a different way. Okay, uh, then if we uh, take a few years forward, uh, you then still decided, you left southern Sweden as south as you could, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. for France and Italy uh, to avoid the north. You still returned to, to Stockholm up north. Uh, yeah. And now you're uh, settled there. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, in in 2009, I, I, I met my wife, uh, and she's Swedish and she was only visiting Paris for a couple of days and I had sort of my first night off in three, ni- three years uh, and, and I met her at a concert um, and, uh, and she was she's working in she's an artist but she's also working in theater scenography and clothes making uh, and she had her career going in in Stockholm, uh, so it was kind of I I if I wanted to be with her, I uh, I had to move to Stockholm, anyway, or spend more time in 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 Stockholm, 
uh, and I thought that I had been working so hard for so long, so I thought that uh, this might be a very good idea. And then uh, two years later, we had our first uh, son, uh, and it was kind of complex. He, uh, he, we found out when he was born that he had has cystic fibrosis, which is kind of a severe lung disease. Uh, more severe at that time than what it is now due to medical treatments. Uh, but it was kind of a, it, it rocked my world in a way. Uh, I couldn't go back I, for a while there. I, I went back and forth to France every week. I was, or every second week. Uh, and it was not a sustainable way, neither flying that much or traveling that much or having a, having a life in one city where I had my life and then have another city where I was just working. I was not really, I felt that I came out of touch with Paris. It was like Paris was rolling me by and I was just standing still, um, even though I, I had so many miles underneath my feet. Um, so I tried to, just to set things back, uh, I decided to, uh, that I was quitting Paris um and then and and we sold the restaurant and then um uh, i started working at the museum restaurant in in stockholm called sprit museum uh where i had where i could where i was given i was kind of free there to do what i wanted to do it was a very kind of a big place uh and it had some some obstacles, not, I was not able to do what I really wanted to do, but it was a good transition and good, good way to get to know Stockholm. Uh, and after a couple of years, I decided to, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to make something for myself. Uh, I'm getting older, uh, things are a little more, bit more stable around family. Uh, and uh, so I decided to open a new restaurant and uh, the the chance secured to to open Petri, um, and uh, so we started, and then people started dying in Wuhan a month later, and uh, so it was kind of a a crisis moving into this restaurant, not knowing what the pandemic should do to business or life in general, or if there were something as if everyone on the planet should die or whatever should happen. And you so, actually you actually opened during during COVID or just before COVID? Uh, we opened in uh, in September uh, 2020. So it, it, that was like that was six months into it had been declared as being a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was I mean, main part of Europe was closed down when we opened up. But restaurants in Sweden, they never closed. Uh, for We always managed to stay open, even though later that year, we first we had to get everybody out by half past 10. And then after that, we had to get everybody out by, by half past eight. So it was, I mean, that was fine. It was, we had bigger concerns in life than, than business.
In the next part of the podcast, we'll hear Chef Peter Nilsson's favorite restaurant recommendations in Stockholm, Paris, and the rest of the world. Uh, as you are sitting in, in Stockholm and your restaurant is there, um, let's talk a bit about other restaurants um, and places yeah. that you love in, in Stockholm or in Sweden. Um, yeah. Could you please uh, mention a few favorites of, of Peter Nilsson in, in, uh, in Stockholm? Yeah, um, there is... Uh I have this, there is a place, there is a new, there is an old meat packing district in Stockholm uh, that has been undergoing renovations for a couple of years now. Uh, and uh, when, when I'm on, when I'm taking the bicycle to work, I, 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 I pass by, close by. So uh, uh, there is a, a coffee roaster called Stockholm Roast, where I like to stop for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mainly stop for a cup of coffee there. Uh, um, so that's one option I have. Um, on Sunday, I work so many nights, and so so going out for restaurants and like nice like high-end restaurants. They're mainly open Wednesday to Saturday, as what we are. So I can't really go there. But uh, so I go for Sunday dinner. I go at, there's a place called Cafe Nizza. Uh, I've had some friends working there. A friend of mine was there starting it. And I really like going there for, for Sunday dinner. It's suitable for the kids as well. What, what kind of food is, do they serve on a Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Mediterranean food. I, I would say that it's food served, that could be served at uh, La Gazeta back in the early days. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a seasonal Mediterranean influenced. They, they have a good section of pasta dishes. They have make this, this sourdough pasta that I really like. Uh, and then uh, if I have the chance, if I have a meeting during the week, Uh, that is more important. I go to Ethem. It's a hotel. Uh, it's sort of a closed-off hotel in a more like a fancy residential area. But it's a really nice place to go, especially for lunch, sitting in the kitchen, uh, having a little better lunch with a nice glass of wine. And you can do. You can actually uh, book a table there and go there. Although yeah, you're not yeah, you can book. It's. I mean, it's mainly hotel guests first. Uh, but it's always it's always manageable to send them a mail and ask to for a reservation, and they have expanded so much now, so they they have more ability to take in uh, customers from the street. But yeah. you have to mail them or call them in advance. Okay. Uh, then there is a there is a bar on Nybrogatan, which is a street close by here, called Schmaltz. Yeah, uh, started as like a more like a Jewish deli. Uh, now it's more a, a bar thing. They have they've kept a little about the concept that they had from the start. But it's really nice going there for a for an aperitif before going to theater or going just in the afternoon or popping in for a cup of coffee or a small bite to eat. Uh, I really like that. Then. Uh, I like going for uh, to a place called Sushi Show. Um, I I think that they they really good with fish. They really they have 
really good variety. They age it in a good way. So it's more like a Tokyo style uh, dinner. Uh, and it's a small place and it's everything is super fresh and I really like their rice. Mm. Uh, then uh, also in Stockholm, I like uh, uh, Brutalisten, which is Stefan Eriksson's restaurant. Uh, which they focus so much on the produce. They have a concept of only one, one, only one ingredient in every dish. So it's beef with beef and beef and in, in various ways, but, and, or plain oysters. We know nothing to it, or, but they really do it in a really nice way. Going there and having, I mainly eat a la carte when I'm there, having like four or five different things makes up for a, a good meal, but the, the produce is stunning and it's also kind of a laid back feeling there. So I really like that. And they would uh, only use, they would only use salt or nothing with the produce? Salt and water added. Okay. okay. And they don't need to add water everywhere, but I mean, mainly like, like meat protein is cooked in its own fat and, and so on if it's roasted and so so they they and they have like semi brutalist things where they add one ingredient to it uh, uh, it could by feel awkward maybe but it, it is not it's really i mean it's a it's a good way of cooking and they really they one can sense that they they focus on on good cooking yeah uh, and then I have to say that I, I, I've sometimes gone to my own cafe at Sven's 10 for lunch. It's, 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 a, it's a good place to go for a coffee or a cake or going for a, for a, a light meal at lunch and having a glass of wine. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good vibe to it. Yeah, so that's your, you run that, yeah. that's, except Petri, the, your restaurants, you are run the cafe at Sven's 10, the, yeah, the design yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, then I like to go. I um, I have one of my old cooks called Gabriel Melim, who is in Gothenburg, and he's uh, has two places. One is a bar Bulo that's in the uh, that is in the food hall in, in, Goth in, in Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Yeah, in Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's more bar type of food, but it's really good. And he has his own restaurant called Bulo as well, like the. Venus Clam in, in, in French. Uh, just creative and, and, and really good. I think he has a, an excellent way of cooking things. Uh, okay. Uh, he's, he, I, I really appreciate that. Does he serve uh, Bulos, the, the Venus Clams? Yes, when they are there, they are there. Anything then, if you move abroad, um, any any favorites uh, out there in the world in your old hoods in, in Paris or, or so? Yeah, I, I really like um, my guy who is working as a sous chef for me for a long time, an Italian guy called Giovanni Passerini. He has a restaurant called Passerini uh, and he's cooking Italian cooking, but really, really good. Uh, and it's, but it's more inventive. French crossed Italian cooking. Uh, he he really does really great. I think he has a way with with seasoning and combinations that are really that are really nice. Uh, and he's keeping it up. And he's been. I mean, 
he's worked so hard for this for so long and he had great success with it as well but uh, i mean he's he's still there cooking and uh, and i really i really must say that it's really enjoyable that's in the 11th or 10th uh, or where uh 12th 12th yeah sorry yeah okay so it's close to Gare de Lyon. um yeah uh I mean, I also like Clamato in Paris, uh, the sister restaurant to uh, Septim, uh, because you can pop in for, for shellfish and fish at any time when they're open. And they're also open on Sundays and Mondays. And it's really, I really like it. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really fair for, for what you get. I think they, they, have a, they, have a good, they have a good knowledge of produce and the way to cook it or not to cook it that I really like. And it's a stable thing. I mean, they don't, ch they change throughout the season, but it's really, you know what you're going to get. And the, the wines are good as well, the drinks as well. So I, I really, that's a, that's a good place to go, I guess, or I think. Yeah. And then uh, I like Julius in Berlin as well, uh, the sister restaurant to Ernst. Uh, Ernst could be a little bit hard to get into, but Julius is, they are serving all day and, and for dinner they have a set menu, which I, in ways I think it's the closest that I get to the original Relais in, in, uh, in uh, Copenhagen, like the really cut to the bone way of serving things. And, and, and I, I appreciate that very much. It's kind of, they, take good care of their produce. Uh, they're friendly and it's, it's nice to, to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like that. In, uh, in London, I, for James sake, uh, I, I really like Lyle's as well. It's sort of the same reason uh, what I'm looking for when I, when I go to restaurants, I, I think that this just like really cut to the bone experience. Uh, I don't, I I don't really like going to places and having caviar on brioche bread. It's, it's not me, so mm -hmm. I, I I think that those those places that like focus on much on vegetable freshness uh, that you actually chew a lot when you're there, uh, and it's very honest in so many ways. I I. I see that as a, it's a very nice way of dealing with the world. Yeah, and Lyles would be that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, there's so many similarities between Julius and, and, and Lyles and also with Clamato that, that this kind of, it's a straight, it's very straight what they're doing. And, but they still manage to have like a very, sort of an artistic twist to it that I really appreciate. Uh, yeah. One last question before I let you go and, and do your, your work. Um, mm. If you could drop your pots and pans uh, this evening and pack your bag with your, your wife and uh, leave for anywhere in the world for, for a great uh, restaurant, um, which restaurant could, could that possibly be? Oh, 
you know, when I go with my wife, I don't really, I don't want the restaurant to spoil my my time with her. You know, I don't want, I, I sort of, when I go to a restaurant, I, I, I don't want to see the kitchen. I don't want, to, because that, that makes me too interested in, in the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And not enough focused on the one that I have in front of me. Uh, I would, I think, I would go if I could. I would go to uh, to Chassagnette. Uh, it's a it's a farmhouse close to Arles in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern France it has been there. F- yeah. yeah, Southern France has been there since. It opened about the same time as I, when I opened in Uses. Uh, I went there quite a lot. It was like an hour and a half drive, and you could go there for lunch on Mondays. And it was a set menu with vegetables from their own garden, and but also in a Camargue style of cooking classic things, but with a nice twist. But it was a, such a such a nice place to to be in. I have so sweet memories of that, and also I've I've missed those sandy stones which builds up so many houses around southern France, and just feeling the warm walls of a city. And so I would go. I I I would go to southern France. I would go to Arles. I would go to staying in Ireland, going to Chassagnette for. Maybe not for dinner, maybe for lunch, because I could sit outside. Yeah. Okay. Great. That sounds like a great, great choice. Uh, uh, Peter Nilsson at Restaurant Petri in Stockholm. Thank you so much for this talk and good luck with, uh, with everything in Stockholm. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the World of Mouth podcast with Chef Peter Nilsson in Restaurant Petri in Stockholm, Sweden. You'll find all of the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more in the World of Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at worldofmouth.app. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. I'm Kenneth Nars, until next week with a new podcast guest. <laughs>